say these are Putin's price hikes. This is all on Joe Biden. <laughs> it's enough to make your head spin. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Monday. Lots to talk about today and have a very special guest in studio with me. Uh, former Charlotte mayor, former North Carolina governor, former talk show host, <laughs> Governor the, Pat McCrory. The number one talk show host in the Carolinas, as I told Henry Hinton. Well, yeah, every I'm, sure, day. I'm sure Henry will debate that. <laughs> How was the talk show? Was that fun? Yeah, it was a great experience because um, I learned a couple of things from it. First of all, I learned more about radio. And we ended up being number one in the Charlotte market. How morning about radio. Number one morning radio in all of Charlotte. Even beat John Boy and Billy. Wow. And Bob and Sherry. But you know what? I made a requirement of the show that we had no name calling, self-deprecation, humor. We take the serious You got to laugh at yourself. You got to. In fact, we as Republicans need to get back to Thank that. Thank you. Ronald Reagan was my role model. And Ronald Reagan had self-deprecation, laughed at himself, yeah. but he took the issue seriously. Yes. And I think we need to get back to taking the issue seriously, but not take ourselves too seriously. Which is the opposite of what is happening today. Absolutely. And uh, that's the kind of campaign I'm running for the U.S. Senate. And I've had people tell me, God, why weren't you as governor like you were as on the radio? Because we had a lot of humor on the radio. <laughs> and I went, no, I was like that. And they went, well, that's not the part we saw. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was a filter. I mean, the, the media, the media absolutely. has a strong filter that you really can't get to know the person. And, you know, the other problem with both Republicans and Democrats, especially in D.C., all the D.C. insiders, when they get behind a, a dais like this and they're talking to people, they really think they're the smartest in the room oh, yeah. because they have a title. Oh, yeah. And one of the biggest faults of politicians, and I've got caught in this trap before as a mayor and as a governor. You start believing you what they start say about believing them. because oh. when you're when you hold the title – Everyone's asking you your opinion. Well, I'm going to ask you your opinion. <laughs> when you when you lose the title, they quit asking you. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. but you know, um, I think we as Republicans need to be more positive. You mentioned when you were governor. The last time you were with us was six years ago when you were running for re-election, mm -hmm. and uh, some might say that uh, there were some interesting votes that showed up around <laughs> midnight on that election. 11.45. Is that what exact. it was? <laughs> when, when you look back, and uh, you must ponder, what would the last two, two and a half years in North Carolina been like if you had prevailed in that election? And uh, going through COVID and those kind of things, and you see the emergency, the abuse of emergency power. Yeah, that's the, the first thing I wouldn't have done. I would have followed the Constitution. Yeah. Because the governor does not have the power that he um, he faked himself through and he got a Democratic Supreme Court degree. But there's no way he has that a type of executive power. So I would have I would have played it more as a team on a team approach on instituting any policies that we would have done. Also, when what Governor Cooper did with with face mask and some of the rules were so hypocritical and contradictory and inconsistent, for example, uh, middle school basketball players would have to wear masks, right. and yet the Tar Heels didn't, yeah, right. or the Hornets, and they called it science. Yeah. Uh, breweries were open, bars were closed. Right. Small stores were closed, Lowe's and Walmart were open, and no one questioned it. Right. And it had nothing to do with science. It had to do with lobbyists in Raleigh. 
And I would have mm. never done that. I would have been, if we would have had rules, they would have been consistent in their application. And, and um, I think we would have been open up much more like Florida was had I been governor. And we would have accomplished more too. You know, he's just beholden to the teachers union. And we would have had more charter schools, more opportunity scholarships, lower taxes, like I did in my four years as governor. I mean, everything I promised as governor, we did. What can we do to keep, and you see this happening in Washington too, but what you just referred to, you would be following the Constitution. It's, I mean, why have we gotten away from that? And how is it that we have to take people to court to follow what is already the law? I mean, in a sense, I look at it, I'm thinking, my gosh, you're breaking the law. How do we get back to the fact that Lex Rex, you know, the, the Constitution is king. The law is king. Well, the separation of powers should be king. And we need to constantly go. The executive branch is responsible for the execution of the laws, the operations of the laws. The legislative branch is responsible for passing the laws, nothing else. And, the, of course, the judicial branch is interpreting the laws right. when there's a conflict between the two other branches or on other constitutional amendments. Well, just the, the recent and, decision on the gerrymandering of the, of the maps. Absolutely, absolutely. What an example that is. Oh, but it's become very political, too, at the courts. And the Supreme Court in the state of North Carolina, is, that was a total political yeah. decision. It had nothing to do yeah. with the state constitution. By the way, I had to sue my legislature when I was governor because I had a legislature want to do the governor's job. And now we have a governor that wants to do the legislature's <laughs> job. Thank you. And we need to challenge that because this, the, they were brilliant. I mean, our founders were brilliant having three branches of government. And where it started was really Obama with executive orders. And then Trump even took advantage of some of that. And now Biden's taken it to a whole nother level of executive orders, which mm. are kind of a ways to bypass passing laws. And Cooper did it with COVID. He was instituting laws, he had not no emergency right. Yeah. orders. Right, right. It was a total – and the media let him get away with it. Well, why – I mean, how, how can you come to the point where we just – we're you know, he has no more uh, – ability to create law than mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I came out with some no. proclamation, nobody would listen no, to me. No, in fact, when I I had to do executive orders as governor during the hurricanes that hit Greenville I, that real is, hard. That is a legitimate and emergency. they're supposed to last a certain small period of time right. and have a beginning and end, and you're supposed to have the Council of States approve it. Bingo. See, this is one reason I'm running for the U.S. Senate is because I understand the executive branch and I understand the roles of local and state government. And we have too many people in D.C. who go straight to Congress, go straight to Washington, and don't understand not only the separation of powers, but they don't understand local, state, and federal government and the private sector responsibilities. And with all due regards to my two opponents, they went straight to Washington. By they the way, had you have no opponents. other experience. And, and people go straight to Washington and think Washington is, is the solution. Yeah. When a lot of times Washington needs to get the hell out of the way. Thank you. I'm, I'm Ronald Reagan's. Uh, he was my role model in that. And I see Biden doing certain things, even with the infrastructure bill. Well, he gave the impression that the federal government's totally responsible for infrastructure. And they aren't. The state and the cities, including the city of Greenville, have a lot of money in their budget for infrastructure. I don't want the federal government to take over all the city roads or take over all the environmental local policy or take over our schools. Well, unfortunately, a lot of, I'll even say the woke crowd, have, oh. have embraced the federal government as the savior. 
no matter what the situation no. is, the federal government is the same. And we as conservatives, and I, I'm, I think, much more conservative than my two opponents, two major opponents, I believe in the federal government not getting involved in certain things at the local level, e even when I agree with it, because it's not their role. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we have enough people in Washington, D.C. who understand that, and that's frankly one of the reasons I'm running. For example, one of the, the main reason I decided to run was when the federal government, bipartisan, decided to start paying people more not to work than to work mm -hmm. during COVID. One of the biggest mistakes, I think, in federal legislation history, and it's not the federal government's responsibility to provide unemployment. That is a state responsibility. Right. Now, when I was governor in 2013 with the fourth highest unemployment rate in the country, I lowered the unemployment rate because I had employers right here in Greenville who said, I can't find people to work because you're paying them so much unemployment in North Carolina. Yeah. So I made the very controversial decision to reduce the unemployment equal to what Virginia, Tennessee, and uh, Georgia were paying. And it was like... Oh, I, you were branded as the, the oh, that's Satan when, incarnate. You know, that was when Reverend Barber and all the liberals Reverend protested Bar against <laughs> me, which is kind of ironic. Now I see uh, TV ads in Greenville saying, liberal Pat McCrory. And I'm, no. I'm going, are you kidding me? If I was liberal, why did all the liberals hate me so much? Um, so um, when when you were wrestling with and by the way, when Richard Burr announced he was going to resign, I, I not I, run for reelection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for yeah. correcting me. Yeah, not run for reelection. Um, I was really wondering. Okay, he's got this pretty good gig down in uh, Charlotte. He seems to be enjoying life. You're I, talking about me now. You, you yeah, yeah, I did have a good gig. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I, I actually thought he might not run. I mean, you know, there was a, and, and you didn't immediately jump in. No, you sort of no. tested the waters. What, what? What was that? The key issue when you that was the key issue. And I was talking about it on the radio. And after you know, we took the show from eleven to number one. And we were being offered some other opportunities. And I was making more money doing radio than I was as governor of North Carolina. Isn't that amazing? That is. And I was going, my gosh, this is pretty good work. But Was it more than the Senate? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but every time I'd walk out, every time I'd walk out of the radio, I'd had to have a great time. It met my narcissism needs. You know, you feel good about yourself. Right, right. Um, I'd walk out and go, you know what? I'm talking about it, but I'm not doing it. Mm. And not to disrespect, because you guys have talent, you and Henry. But after talking about it and leaving the building, I go, man, you can talk about it or you can do it. And I have a chance to do it. Right. And I don't like the Was what the Washington insiders are doing right now. And the biggest issue was how in the heck can they be paying more people more not to work than to work. Yeah. And they're doing exactly the opposite of what I did as governor of North Carolina. And I predicted when the unemployment benefits would run out in September, finally, the federal part of it, which should have never been done, that it would take three months for people to get back to work. Take longer than that, didn't it? It has. Yeah. But in North Carolina, it took three months. And that's when our unemployment rate, we had the largest drop in unemployment in the United States of America, three months after I hmm. reduced them. During hmm. those three months, my approval rating went down. The liberal media went after me. This is the worst decision a governor has ever made. Guess what? It was the best decision. Oh, yeah. If you, if you look at the if you look at the outcome no. after the fact, if you give it a few months and say, let's look at the yeah. outcome. Politically, it, was, it yeah. was a horrible decision. That's when my negatives went down and I was ridiculed for being a radical right winger. Again, which is kind of erotic because now the people I'm running against 
for the U.S. Senate are calling me a, a radical left winger. You, you can't win in this game. But uh, I'm, I'm proud of what I did as governor. I kept my promises. And I think we need more people in D.C. who keep their promises and they're more worried about the next generation than the next election. Thank you. And that's what I did as governor. When you consider what your job was as governor, obviously your priorities, your focus was on North Carolina and North mm -hmm. Carolinians. Uh, and when you get to the Senate, that will be your first priority. But obviously, as a senator, you're a part of a larger body that your decisions will affect the, the country and actually worldwide events. Yes. And, uh, boy, Ukraine is an uh, example of yeah. that. And uh, what should we be doing in Ukraine right now, you think? Uh, first of all, right now we ought to give those planes, get those planes to help um, Ukrainian president protect his country. Right. Uh, it, it, listen, Putin is a Stalinist. And if you know anything about uh, history of 19, late 30s and early 40s. He's a murderer. He's a murderer. He, he is the second most evil man in the last 300 years, Stalin and Hitler. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. killed millions upon millions of people. And Putin followed him. Putin was a part of the evil empire, which Ronald Reagan talked right. about. Right. He told us right. never let down what this evil empire might do. Putin's from that. And that's why I'm critical of my opponent who called him intelligent. Now, he also called him evil. I will concede that. But he isn't intelligent. Anyone who bombs a hospital is not intelligent. Mm. They might be literate, but they're not intelligent. And what he's doing right now is not that of an intelligent person. And when you also say, as my opponent, um, uh, Congressman Budd, said just three weeks ago, while bombs were dropping, well, Putin did this because he needs to protect his uh, southern flank. We understand that. A sitting U.S. congressman should never say that because mm. that can be used mm. against us in Russia by him and his propaganda, by Putin and his propaganda. Right, right. And that's why I feel very strongly a, a senator has to have the maturity to be careful what they say, especially in times of war and peace. Do you think the Biden administration is uh, projecting, telegraphing what they're going to do? Yes. I mean, I, I think they're weak. I, I, I think he's made a. I, I interrupted you. I well, no, no. He, when you come out and you say we will never have boots on the ground, I, look, I'm, no. I'm not. I don't want boots on the ground, but I wouldn't project it. I, I would. Th I think he's made a, a, a terrible mistake. His first mistake was also a slip of the tongue in a press conference where he mm -hmm. said we may allow a slight incursion. Right. That's similar to what. Congressman Bud, if you say something just even small, right. and he tried to correct himself, it still sticks when you're president of the United States for a sitting U.S. congressman. you got to be careful. And uh, But no, what Biden's done wrong is this. He has said what he won't do. Right. And that's wrong. Right. He's telegraphing Well, Putin. and what he says he was going to do, he hasn't done. Yeah. I and mean, in fact, plane, he's, he's following. Yeah. The Congress is <laughs> actually leading. Yeah. He is following from behind. He's um, he's incompetent. He doesn't yeah. show strength. And what's even sadder is the vice president. Harris is probably the most incompetent vice president of my lifetime. Nothing personal, but she's just she just she's incompetent. She's incompetent. Uh, another of her top and, staffers quit today. Really? Yeah. And then you know they ask her. Well, can you explain in simplistic terms what the situation is? She goes, Russia is the bad guy. <laughs> a big country 
is invading yeah. Ukraine. I mean, I, you, I shouldn't laugh, but it's, it's she laughs. Oh yeah, uh, laughing hyena. So, um, but these are serious times, and we need to treat it serious, and we need to give consistent signals, unlike we did during COVID. As I gave example, Roy Cooper gave very inconsistent signals regarding co Cooper. I mean, regarding COVID, and now Biden is giving very inconsistent signals regarding Putin. Yeah. And so did Ted Budd, and frankly, so did another congressman from this area. I don't, I'm bipartisan in this area uh, in criticism of words matter in times of right. war and peace. Right. What would you say is the – there's a lot of issues out there, but if you had to identify the single biggest issue that the country is facing, not international issues, but the domestic issues, what would that be? Oh, inflation. And I think the the energy crisis um, and the Biden policy, the Biden-Harris-Schumer-Pelosi policy of um, kind of pseudo-environmental policy, which really won't have a big impact on climate change, but it's going to have a huge impact on the price of your gallon of gas, which I had to fill up coming down here in total shock of how much I had to spend filling up my gas oh, tank. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to bankrupt the middle class and it's going to starve the poor if this continues. And right now we need to unleash, unleash the energy sources of America. Now, when I was governor, I was saying this when I was governor long before this was occurring, I'm going, guys, if we're not continuing to be energy independent, we're going to have inflation. I said this when I was governor six years ago. And that's why I welcomed a natural gas pipeline coming into eastern North Carolina, mm -hmm. Cooper. And um, there was some $57 million flush fund. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. 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 If that's not investigated, if that can't be investigated, nothing yeah. will be in North Carolina, but another issue. But now that's been killed. Yeah. Do you think, well, let me ask you then, would, would you say that Ukraine right now is the biggest international issue? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Uh, because we've got a superpower who has nuclear weapons, who is invading a country. Yeah. Like we haven't seen before since World War II. And, and they're using long-range missiles to bomb citizens and hospitals. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just I'm, I, I've read a lot of books on, on uh, the Battle of Stalingrad, the Battle of Berlin, um, World War II, and the millions of people lost in Ukraine and Russia at the time, um, and the USSR. You know, it's obvious Putin wants to bring back the USSR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we don't stop him in Ukraine or support Ukraine, then where will we draw the line in the sand? And this is part of Biden telling him what we won't do. What's your thoughts on this uh, uh, Iranian deal that, uh, in fact, Andy McCarthy uh, had a, a, a column that he came out with today, but the Biden administration is basically told our enemy, Russia, come in and be the negotiator for the nuclear deal with Iran. I mean, it's unconscionable. You can't make this up. No. It's serious. We ought to drop those negotiations immediately. This Trump, President Trump was dead right with Iran. And and President uh, Obama was dead wrong on Iran, giving them back their cash and delivering their cash, which helped pay for weapons against American soldiers. Absolutely. Um, and... Uh, Biden's getting terrible, terrible advice, and he's taking it and implementing it. And they're even doing it now. And then you have John Kerry, who's still saying climate change is the biggest issue in yeah. the world today. 
Does he not know what a bomb does to climate change? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I mean you got an entire I mean, country burning to the ground. You think that's affecting the CO2? It's unbelievable. And the media is letting him get away yeah, with it. Yeah. The media is getting John Kerry is out of control. When he's worried, he's, his biggest concern about the war is, well, Russia now might not be serious about climate yeah. change. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And this is what I'd like to talk about as the next U.S. senator. But North Carolina, is, this impacts North Carolina. I mean, we have a lot Big of time. our military bases here in North Carolina and a lot of military personnel here who I've been to all the military bases as a governor. I've worked with all the commanders at each of the military bases. I understand it. I'd work with them. And I think that experience will also be very helpful in Washington, D.C. Do you think the uh, conservative movement is gaining momentum? Yes. Uh, in fact, I think most conservatives agree on 99% of the issues. Foreign policy, I'm a little concerned about right now. I think we've got a little wing of the conservative party who didn't think Ukraine would be important. I don't think they did their homework. Ukraine is what bigger than Texas, 44 million people. Yeah. This is not a yeah. little country yeah. of yeah. whatever. This is, this is a country that separates Russia from the rest of Western Europe. Um, so on foreign policy, we may have some disagreements, but I think our major disagreement is personality and style. Mm -hmm. Although I, I, I'm seeing all these TV ads against me, about $15 million of TV ads against me. All the TV ads against me have nothing to do with my actions or my policies that I implemented. Not we, one. Are you surprised that it's gotten, and, and granted, it's the Club for Growth, which is yeah. a pack. but are you surprised how nasty it's gotten? No, not from the Club for oh, Growth. Rick no. Perry, uh, former governor of uh, Texas and also worked for the Department of Energy, right, Secretary yeah. for Under Trump, yeah. he's called, he said about the Club for Growth, may they never darken the skies of Texas again. <laughs> and I would say the same thing about North Carolina because I know how deceptive their ads are. And sadly, they might be convincing people of North Carolina Oh, McCrory's a liberal. Well, if I was a liberal, why were all the liberals protesting against me? Um, should, should we have uh, truth in advertising when it comes to political ads? Yeah, but you, you've got the whole issue of the freedom. I know. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but when, you got to call it out. The dilemma is they've got fifteen million dollars. They're trying to buy the U.S. Senate, uh, a, a Washington special interest group that is pro-China trade, anti-farmer, pro-bud is trying to buy North Carolina Senate seat for $15 million, which is a pretty cheap price yeah. these days. Mm -hmm. And so far, it's not working. I mean, despite all this money being spent against me, they're outspending us 15 to 1. We're still ahead in the polls. You brought up your competition. So I will say that when I, you know, if I handicap your race, sure. and I've said from the get-go, if I w I'm surprised that Mark Walker stayed in, to be honest with you. But I, I, I figured he'd turn around and run for the, for the House seat, basically because I just don't think he's got a shot at it at all. But he stayed in, and uh, with Eastman getting in and Ted Budd in, it seems to me— We actually have 14 people in. Oh, is it? Well— There are going to be 14 people on the ballot. It seems to me <laughs> that um, that gives you an upper hand. I mean, I, I don't know how your advisors look at it, but but the fact that Walker stayed in, and I think that is going to split a vote. You you have the the, you, the, the biggest thing you have is the name recognition, being the former governor. Well, I have a record of achievement yeah. too. I yeah. don't think I don't know of any Republican who goes, "You did a bad job as governor, or you did a bad job as mayor." I mean, I was tough on crime, tough, tough on immigration. I turned uh, deficits into surpluses. 
I stuck with the, the values of North Carolina and stood up for the values of North Carolina. Um, so people know my record. So a few, a certain, maybe 15 to 20% will believe the ads because right. it was so effective in the way they cut and pasted. But most people go, eh, you know, that's not the guy. <laughs> that's not the guy we know. Well, I could never run for any office having been on the radio for 12 years and having up on yeah. social media because, I mean, I, and when I saw those ads, I, 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 <laughs> I, did, I didn't know a lot about Club for Growth, but I thought, uh, you can make anybody say anything. Oh, yeah. They took clips uh, if from have, one day and, the, and, and oh, another yeah. week and combined them. Yeah. I saw the ad and I decided to vote against me for a brief moment. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's, the-, it, it, the manipulation that they did on those ads. And again, not one of those ads attacked my policies or my actions as a governor or as a mayor. Um, do, you, do you feel like the primary is the uh, rougher of the two races? Is that going to be no, tougher? No, the general, general election will be tougher. Okay. This is going to be a 50-50 race. Just because there's going to be so much out-of-state out so, money. It'll be hundreds of millions of dollars on the ground. This race, primarily the Club for Growth, this pro-China group, is spending $15 million, which is unheard of. It's, they're spending more against me than any group in the United States of America. I don't know what they have against me, but whatever. It's a Washington-based group that uh, has a couple of billionaires that are giving their money. Do you think it's because they look at North Carolina as, you know, a, a purple state and a bellwether state? I don't know. I can't yeah. answer. Yeah. I can't yeah. answer, about a, your, I can't yeah. answer yeah. about a special interest group. I just know the ads that they're running is everything wrong with politics today. Yeah. And um, But I've got to deal with it. And the only way I deal with it is tell the viewers here, right. the ads are total lies. Right. But I stand by my record. And if they start attacking my record, I have no problem with that. But they, don't, they haven't attacked my record, my conservative record. Notice none of the ads go after my record. They'll say I'm a liberal, but they never say what I did as a liberal because there isn't anything. Right, right. It's, it's quite impressive. It's, it's about what Putin's doing to the people of Russia, you know, giving them a false message oh, yeah. of Ukraine's attacking them. It's to another degree, a much more serious degree. Well, the ramifications are but life and pro death. But propaganda is propaganda. Yeah, yeah. And right now, uh, the, the Putin issue, the foreign policy issue with the Senate is very involved in that issue. Um, it'll be an issue where I think the Senate, the founders of the Constitution were brilliant, not only separation of powers, but between the House and Senate. The House is the people's house. Where, you know, a lot of the congressmen throw everything against the wall and see sure. where it sticks. The Senate is a place for wisdom and experience and people who've been through it, not just politically, but otherwise, who've made mistakes, who've done good things, who've learned, and who are looking beyond just the short-term election. That's why the framers were brilliant in making six-year terms. It's so they would think long-term. Right. Well, the House is every two years. Well, and, unfortunately, some of those old geezers up there are well, thinking really long term. Well, the Washington insiders, have, they're failing us. Yeah. Both Republicans and Democrats, some of them are failing us. And I'm running against two limits? congressmen. I'm absolutely for term limits. No. Absolutely for term limits. I also don't agree in seniority, getting committee chair jobs. Yeah. And I yeah. believe in term limits. I do agree with term limits of chairman's job. I think too many. Well, the Republicans have that uh, on their own party, right? That's right. Yeah. And that was a good move. Right. Um, but 
this this seniority of you don't get to be a chairman unless you serve for 30 years, 40 years, right. or whatever. It's just it's ridiculous because that's the get along, go along well, the, mentality. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Carolina Journal came out today. The number of unaffiliated voters now stands at 2,503,997 compared to 2,496,000 Democrats and the Republicans just behind that. That is the biggest group of voters now, yeah. unaffiliated. And, and my, my polls, our polls show us two to one with independents. And I th actually, all these negative ads against me in the primary helped me in the general election because a lot of people are just sick of the negative yeah. ads. Well, that's well, that's, personal that's exactly why these numbers are what yeah, they are. Again, if they attack my record, I have no problem with that. If they happen to disagree with me decreasing unemployment rate and say you're a you're a terrible person for decreasing someone's unemployment rate. There's an argument that maybe you could present, not in the long run, because it worked. But should, should you say you're a terrible person for doing it, or should they say, I they, disagree they, I with disagree that? I disagree with your yeah. policy. If right. they do right. that, I have no problem right. with that. If they disagree with my policy of lowering the income tax in North Carolina, which was the highest in the Southeast, which I lowered, if they disagree with my um, uh, paying off a $2.2 billion debt of unemployment to the federal government and leaving Governor Cooper a $4 yeah. billion dollar surplus, um, you can disagree with that. Right. I haven't right. got my thank you letter from the governor. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I know you got to run. Thanks yeah, for stopping thanks. by and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Primary is how many weeks away? It's uh 58 days, 58 <laughs> How many days. hours and minutes? <laughs> 58 days. Counting and and but, uh, voting starts within the month. Yeah. So it's, it's here. And this is going to be the bellwether election, I think, for Republicans, uh, May 17th, yeah. for the rest of the nation. It's, uh, it's a good time to be a Republican. It is, if we don't blow it. Well, um, and I've, I've said that numerous times listen, in my program. North Carolina, North Carolina, I don't care who wins, but I think I have the best chance of winning the general election. We've seen the polls saying that. Do not take North Carolina for granted. Right. Uh, the, George Soros will throw millions of dollars, oh, yeah. millions into yeah. this race. He did it in my governor's race. He'll do it again. And, and I know I have negative ads against me in the Republican primary. You ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that, that we, we ought to talk about that subject, too, This uh, the ability of a George Soros to throw an election and how many DAs. and uh, George uh, Soros had a little bit of impact on my election. He left everyone else alone in North Carolina, but he he wanted that governor's seat. But that's OK. We've we've learned our lesson. We know how to fight back and we're going to fight back, not just in the general, but to win the primary also. Yeah. But we're going to do it in the right way. Yeah. We're going to do it in the right way. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks a lot. Great being Look back. Forward Thanks to having for having back. me again. You bet. Stay with us. News and Views continues right after this.
Brandon. When we are not covering Brandon's heroics. This, uh, Brandon, he, what does he play? Well, Mr. President, they're not, um... Folks, let's hear it for Brandon. What a job he's doing. Let's go, Brandon. Now back to news and let's news go, on 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Our thanks to uh, Governor Pat McCrory for stopping by this afternoon. And uh, by the way, for uh, Mark Walker fans and uh, Ted Budd fans and Marjorie Eastman fans, we will have all of them on. And we have had, uh, it's been a few months, but we have had uh, Mark Walker and Ted Budd on with us. Uh, but uh, good interview with uh, Pat McCrory. Uh, taking a quick look at your weather forecast tonight, clear, a low around 45. Tomorrow, increasing clouds, a high near 74. Tuesday night, mostly cloudy, a low around 55. Wednesday, a chance of showers, mostly cloudy with a high near 77. The, um, <clears throat> excuse me, cut, cut my mic for one second there. Oh, thank you, I had to clear my throat. Um, I've been fighting a cold for like the last two weeks and uh, surviving it, but uh, every now and then it decides to raise its ugly head. Uh, Clarence Thomas, say a prayer for Clarence Thomas. It sounds like he's going to be fine. He was admitted to the hospital on Friday up in D.C. because he had flu-like symptoms. And uh, he's on the mend. Sounds like he's going to be fine. Uh, I, I do not know whether or not he's been released from the hospital or not. But, uh, in fact, there was a oral argument today. I don't know if he was a part of that or listened to it uh, via the telephone or Zoom. But... The left, their response, now I'm not saying everybody on the left is uh, in agreement with this, but the left on social media has all but said, I hope he dies. This is unbelievable. The, some group called USA Singers uh, I don't care if Justice Thomas is in the hospital. Impeach him from the hospital bed. I'm tired of playing nice. Someone else writes, Judge Clarence Thomas in hospital with flu-like symptoms. RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, please call him in. We still have faith in you. Before you say anything about Clarence Thomas's illness, bear in mind that whether or not you agree with his politics, he's still a human being with feelings and loved ones. It would be incredibly awesome if he died. This is the kind of garbage that the left is writing about Clarence Thomas. Now, remember, when Barack Obama was the president, if you just disagreed with his policies, you were a racist. You were branded as a racist, just disagreeing with his policies. Oh, oh you disagree with his policies? You hate the man. You must be a racist. You must be a white supremacist. And this is what they did to Clarence Thomas. Unbelievable. By the way, um, I know that uh, China's our adversary, but uh, horrendous a story. A China Eastern Boeing 737-800 carrying 132 people crashed in China earlier today. Uh, bizarre situation. According to the radar, the flight was at 30,000 feet and the plane just went into a deep dive crashing into the earth at over 500 miles an hour and completely, I mean, there's, there's nothing left. It's completely destroyed. Everything is gone. Uh, President Xi was shocked, has uh, ordered an investigation. Uh, 
Um, uh, in China, they have shut down all flights of uh, 737 800s. And uh, China, say what you like about China, but they have a pretty impeccable record. And apparently the safety standards in China are uh, about as uh, strict as anywhere. China's last deadly crash of a civilian jetliner was in 2010. 44 of 96 people were killed. China's worst ever air disaster occurred back in 94 when China Northwest Airlines crashed and killed all 160 people on board. Hey, listen, we went overtime with uh, Governor McCory, so I need to take another break. Stay with us. I'll be right back. Empty lots at car dealers everywhere. Except here. The selection you want is at Greenville Nissan. And during the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event, buy a new Nissan with financing as low as 0.9%. The versatile Nissan Rogue. The all-new Pathfinder. Or gas-saving cars like Nissan Sentra and Altima. And yes, we have trucks. Buy the new Nissan Titan with 0.9% financing. Or the all-new Frontier for $99 a month. Hurry to Greenville Nissan, where we drive to serve. 
reopening of America. We're taking another major step. We can do more together. In phases. Facing us back. Are we making progress? Absolutely. Into what we miss. Things get back to normal. To open 100%. What we need. To ensure vaccines get into arms. Pandemic rescue package. To reopen our schools. To opening up our economy. What you need to know through every phase. Actually see other people. To seeing my friends. Be more close to the people. What you need to know through every phase. News and views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Congratulations to uh, North Carolina Tar Heels and the Dukies, both making it to the Sweet 16. And uh, it's possible that they could meet each other again this year in uh, the play-in game for the Final Four. So if Duke beats Texas Tech and the winner of Gonzaga and Arkansas and North Carolina beats UCLA and the winner of Purdue and St. Peter's, they would face each other. They would not face each other in the final game, but they could face each other again in the final four. So for all you Duke and Carolina fans, congratulations. News and observers reporting for the third, the third time this month, state leaders want, uh, or rather went to the U.S. Supreme Court today over voting rights issues that could have implications for future elections in North Carolina. Today's action, the oral arguments in the early stages of the voter ID lawsuit came on the heels of other two other issues related to redistricting, which we talked about last week, the, uh, the maps and basically the Supreme Court turned down hearing the Republicans in the legislature over this year's congressional maps but the North Carolina legislature is going to go back and they're asking the Supreme Court to hear the case for future elections. Basically, their argument is what Pat McCrory was just talking about. The judiciary does not meet, need to be doing the legislator's job. And that's exactly what the North Carolina Supreme Court did. So that's, a, that's going to go back to the U.S. Supreme Court. Today's argument was over the North Carolina 2018 voter ID law, but it wasn't over the ID law itself. It was over who can represent the legislature. Now, Josh Stein, his office says, hey, I'm, I might be a Democrat attorney general, but I'm the person that ought to be defending this law, the voter ID law that was passed as a constitutional amendment passed overwhelmingly by the people of North Carolina. David Thomas, a lawyer for the legislators, said, we can point to the fact that we have a different perspective. We're a separate co-equal branch of the government. And they feel like, in essence, and I think he's right, that uh, Josh Stein is represent, representing the Democrats and Governor Cooper and, frankly, the North Carolina Supreme Court and... Uh, it all smells to high heaven, and the North Carolina Republican legislators say this was passed, and we need to be able to defend it. We can't depend upon Josh Stein's office to defend it. So that is what they're going to the Supreme Court for. The oral argument was today. The uh, decision will not come out until probably sometime June or July, if then, and so basically, I, I don't see how this case can be heard at the North Carolina Supreme Court level until the, until the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, makes a decision on this. But uh, we'll continue to follow this. The Senate began the 
confirmation hearings for Contengi Brown-Jackson. Today's hearing was just the opening statements from all the senators on the committee. Senator Grassley said Contengi Brown-Jackson's confirmation hearings won't be a spectacle like the confirmation of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Quote, we will conduct a thorough, exhaustive examination of Judge Jackson's records and views. We won't try to turn this into a spectacle based upon alleged process fouls. Good news on that front. We're off to a very good start, he went on to say. Unlike the start of the Kavanaugh hearings, we didn't have repeated choreographed interruptions of, Chair of Chairman Dur Durbin today, like Grassley was interrupted numerous times on his opening statement for Brett Kavanaugh. Do you remember that? Grassley's opening statement must have been interrupted 25 times by Dem point of order, point of order, point of order. Just, it was choreographed. There weren't any points of order other than the fact that they wanted to make it look like a spectacle. Senator Dick Durbin, chair of the Judiciary Committee now, said during his opening statement that Republicans' claims that Jackson is soft on crime fly in the face of pledges my colleagues made that they would approach your nomination with civility and respect. So Durbin is saying that what they did to Kavanaugh, what the Democrats did to Kavanaugh, the Republicans are now doing to their nominee because they are questioning whether or not she's soft on crime. <laughs> Unbelievable. So they, they accuse Kavanaugh of leading at a party a, a chain gang rapist, a chain rapist of, of a girl. That he and a bunch of his buddies all got together and took turns rape. That was the accusation. It was unbelievable, unconscionable. And yet that's what they accuse of the guy. The Republicans are not questioning, is she too soft on crime? And that's the equivalent. Unbelievable. Lindsey Graham said during his opening statement that the same Democrats pushing for Brown Jackson to become the first black female in the Supreme Court had filibustered a nomination by then-President George W. Bush of Janice Rogers Brown, a black conservative. As to the historic nature of your appointment, I understand, Graham told Jackson during the Monday confirmation hearing. But when I get lectured about this from my Democratic colleagues, I remember Janice Rogers Brown, an African-American woman that was filibustered by the same people praising you. The same people that will call Republicans racist if they were to do that to their nominee. He went on to say, I remember Miguel Estrada. One of the finest people I've ever met, completely wiped out, referring to Bush's 2001 nominee to the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, whose confirmation was blocked by Democrats. He didn't make the cut. A well-lived life completely ruined, Graham said. So if you're a Hispanic or an African-American conservative, it's about your philosophy. Now it's going to be about the historic nature of the pick. I'm not going to fly with this, he added. We're used to it by now. At least I am. So it's not going to matter a bit to any of us. We're going to ask you what we think needs to be asked.
you know, every now and then Lindsey Graham says something like this, and I cheer for Lindsey Graham. I think Lindsey Graham's finest hour was during the Kavanaugh hearings. Another of the Democrats, Senator Shelton Whitehouse, has been relentless in going after Republicans and conservative legal groups in the lead up to these hearings. In fact, he's still going after, he's still going after Brett Kavanaugh. But remember this, as White House gets up and slams Republicans because they might oppose some of the stances that this nominee has taken, he will try to paint them as racist. But remember, when he does this, when Shelton Whitehouse does this, keep in mind, he still belongs to an all-white beach club in Rhode Island. When asked about his membership at the club, White House passed the situation off as a work in progress. He has refused to revoke his membership, and his wife is the club's largest shareholder. Uh, hypocrisy, I think, is the word. Stay with us. I'll be right back. Get on the move in a pre-owned vehicle from Greenville Toyota. Shop a huge selection of used cars, trucks, SUVs, even luxury vehicles with no charge maintenance, plus a used vehicle warranty that covers you for 100,000 miles. Get to Greenville Toyota today. going to change i promise you as i stand here it will change okay and when it does that stadium it's going to be rocking and heaven help whoever walks in there to play us play us and i can promise you there will be no quarter ever
by the Omicron variant when you in work. the United States. And the world is grappling with higher prices right now. When you wake. Violent crime is way off. When you drive home. But it doesn't matter when, only where. The day's information is updated here on Talk 96.3 and 103.7 with Tom and Benny on News and Views. Welcome back again. I mentioned to Pat McCrory during our interview that uh, there are new numbers come out have come out from the uh, Carolina Journal on the number of unaffiliated voters. They've now taken over the prime spot over Democrats. Again, the number of unaffiliated voters now stands at 2,500,000 and some numbers. Um, the uh, number of Democrats is uh, 2,496,000. So it's fairly close, but uh, within uh, looks like less than ten thousand votes or ten thousand voters. Um, Republicans are two million one hundred ninety-two thousand. But what's interesting about this is uh, now I think there's a lot of Republicans and conserv and uh, Democrats that both are just sick of party politics, and I I hear Republicans all the time that I know are conservative and they've just had it with the Republican Party. Because they feel like, you know, I, I, I vote for them, they go up to D.C., and suddenly they turn into rhinos. So I do, th- I do think it is some Republicans that are leaving the camp. And, you know, I, I really think of myself, I'm a re- registered Republican, but I really do consider myself uh, fairly independent. Uh, and if there's, you know, I, I vote for the person and not for the party. What's interesting, though, apparently the biggest loser in this is the Democrat Party. Over the last decade, the percentage of registered Democrats has steadily declined in the Tar Heel State, while GOP voter rolls have consistently increased. Moderately, but they've consistently increased. Unaffiliated voters overtook Republicans back in 2017. The other interesting part about this, too, is even in progressive Orange County, Chapel Hill, (laughs) and believe me, that is progressive territory. Even there, unaffiliated voters are almost catching up with Democrats. They're at uh, almost uh, just over 43,000, Democrats right at 50,000. So even there it's happening. You know what's going to really be interesting, though, is as this continues, and it's not just in North Carolina, will running as an independent, running as an unaffiliated, that's going to start to be a competitive place to be if you're a candidate. Hey, listen, we're going to have all the candidates in for the U.S. Senate race, and uh, we're going to do all this again tomorrow. So join us at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody.